subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for conversations with veterinarians, oncologists, rehab therapists, and other experts discussing amputation for dogs and cats. Find more info, helpful care tips, and a free gift at tripods.com slash radio. Thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio, where we're spreading the word that it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four. Hosted by Jim and Renee and Wyatt Ray of the Tripod Blogs community at tripods.com, Jerry's Place for canine amputees and their people. Thanks for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio. Today is Sunday, April 17th, 2011, and we are honored to have a very special guest with us today. We'll be discussing what's in commercial dog food and why you need to know with the founder and editor of DogFoodAdvisor.com, Dr. Mike Sagman. Welcome, Mike, and thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot, guys. We really appreciate your time. We just want to clarify for our listeners that you're a, you're a dentist, correct, not a veterinarian? That's correct. Well, perhaps this is a, a good time for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and why a, a dentist started the um, website, dogfoodadvisor.com. Renee, we, back in, in 2007, um, we had a little shelter dog that we had adopted named Penny. And, and um, her whole life, we fed her we, on what the veterinarian told us to feed her. We she was important to us as dogs have always been, and uh, we fed her um, the same uh, supposedly quality product for her lifetime. I mean, she got to a point where she couldn't couldn't stand it. Um, she was on a prescription type uh, type dog food, and we would tell the vet, and the vet said, "Well, just trick her. She will eventually eat if she gets hungry enough." And so we. Uh, continued to feed the food. We would mix it with chicken. We'd do everything we could to coax her into eating it. But it seems Penny was smarter than we were. She knew something about the food we didn't know. Towards the end of her life, food was always a a problem during her whole life, but towards the end of her life, she flat out refused to eat. It didn't make any difference what we gave her. And so one day the vet told us when we, in frustration, said, just feed her cat food. No dog will turn down cat food. So we fed her cat food, and unfortunately, it turned out that that cat food um, was one of the tainted products from the pet food recall of of 2007, and and oh. um, she became very sick, and and we had to euthanize her. Oh, um, that's terrible! I'm so sorry. Well, we from that grew this eventually grew this website. We were shocked at how we were treated. The veterinarian was very sympathetic, but we were amazed at how we were treated by the. Um, customer service to the industry, and and as we noticed other people and their and their heartbreaking experiences, um, we eventually started the website, um, probably with not a very good intention in the beginning. We we just started uh, writing articles and talking about dog food, but really not spending much time rating it. Or we, that was something we developed over time. Mm-hmm. So over this time, what has been the most critical thing you've learned about dog food ingredients since? starting this public service you offer? Well, we learned that nothing, uh, no dog food could possibly 
uh, be better than the ingredients that were used to make it. Um, it didn't make any difference what the veterinarian said. Um, it didn't make any difference what um, the uh, manufacturer said. We learned that it's impossible to take things and and mix them together, um, you know, iron and copper, and get gold. And <laughs> we learned that it was impossible to put just anything in a dog food and then be able to claim that it was superior to everything else. So we started reading labels um, and frequently asked why uh, I, as a dentist, would, would know more than a veterinarian. And um, I'm asked that frequently on the website. So I've, I always tell people that uh, to read a label, I don't need to call my physician to interpret a box of cornflakes for human food. It's just labels are labels. They're very easy to read. They are a, a lot of work, unfortunately. And so um, we we have done that for the readers that are on our website. We try to simplify it by just, you know, instead of having to read the label, we put simple stars on it based on the label. We intentionally ignore everything that's not regulated on that label, including manufacturer's claims, which many times are correct and fair, but we've learned not to to trust those claims as much as we trust the label. Are there any sort of regulations in place regarding labeling, uh, like, like like human food has gotten into regarding organics or ingredients? Um, is there any sort of FDA for dogs? Yeah, yes, uh, the, the FDA does regulate regulate labeling for pet food. Um, manufacturers can't lie if they put things on that label. Um, they're they're held accountable. Unlike their advertising claims, they are held accountable by by law. Um, those labels have two very important things that we pay a lot of attention to. First of all, the ingredients, the order that they're listed in is very important. Um, this goes the same for human foods as they're listed according to their pre-cooking or pre-processing weight. So if you take all the ingredients in the recipe, you can't just put that recipe on there and put the ingredients in order of what you want people to see, um, but you put them in order of, of their weight before they're put into the mix. The other thing we look at are the percentages of protein and fat, and we've figured out a way to sort of estimate the carbohydrates, which they seem to ignore, and that is very, very important. Um, and so we, um, but the problem is that those numbers are based on the after cooking weight. And it's very important to understand that because before cooking, there's a lot more moisture in that product and the various ingredients. So when you weigh a piece of chicken before you put it in, and then um, it becomes the first ingredient, but at the end of processing, that water is go goes from 80% down to just a little bit, 10 or 15% of fraction. And so that chicken in the after-cooked product moves on that list a little bit. Manufacturers play with those ingredients uh, repeatedly using various things called splitting and things like that to not, not necessarily to deceive us, but sometimes to make the food look a little bit better than it really is. So I'm a little confused. You mentioned that um, the order of ingredients is the order of their weight before cooking, but the percentage differs? No. Um, after cooking, when they say there's you know 10% protein in the food, that measurement, which is called a guaranteed analysis, it's on every single dog food, that's required by federal law, that is based on the as-fed basis, which means when you take the food out of the bag. So when you cook things, the things that have the most amount of moisture in them before you cook them lose the most amount of moisture after cooking. And so they, you know, the amount of chicken that might be number one in a food that says chicken on the first ingredient, at the end of processing, that chicken 
with its water evaporated, moves down the list a little bit. It's impossible for us to tell exactly how far because manufacturers don't tell us exactly how much is in there. So we do the very best we can of looking at that ingredient list and then interpreting that based on what we see um, in our in our ratings. This is such a great resource to have for people like me who see those labels and kind of zone out because I've tried to read them and they look Greek to me. So honestly, um, you know, I really want to thank you because whenever I I consider a new food for our Wyatt, I, I go to your website to see what you've had to say about it. And I, I did find that one food I was feeding him that he didn't seem to be doing well on um, was because um, the final analysis came out that there wasn't as much uh, meat in there as I thought there was. And and it was kind of shocking because it was it, I, I thought it was a, a chicken-based food, and it, it wasn't. So, you know, with all that in mind, um, what are some of the things, you know, at least three very important things that people like us, just regular old you know, dog owners should consider when we're when we're trying to find a, a food for our dog. Well, um, I think the first question is really the simplest one, and that is, do you want to feed either a dry or a wet or a raw food, which is really can be either wet or dry, depending on how it's processed. So that would be your first decision. Um, the second thing is I would recommend always questioning content. And the third thing is to favor meat. Um, that probably is the most controversial thing because there are many pet owners that um, believe that feeding, you know, vegetarian is, has a good causes um, for the planet. And for many different reasons, they feel justified in feeding a vegan or a vegetarian diet. But um, I really, the argument about whether a dog is a carnivore or a and omnivore is certainly, certainly to me, definitely not an herbivore. Those are your three choices. So, you know, an herbivore being a plant eater, no, absolutely uh, not. Um, but whether a dog is an omnivore or carnivore seems to be an endless debate. It's one of the more controversial articles on my website. My personal opinion is they really are omnivores, and they prove it. Look at what we feed them. If you question it, just look at what they eat. They they eat, they scavenge. They um, Poor little animals walking around in the in the wild or in loosened cities or in garbage cans. They eat what they can get. They scavenge. Um, but if if you give the dog a choice, it's such a it doesn't require a veterinary degree um, or a of advanced uh, nutrition degree in animal nutrition to put um, meat and corn and different things on the floor and give your dog a chance to tell you whether he's an omnivore or a carnivore. And I, I like to think of a dog as it's, it's really obvious they have a bias towards meat. It's visible. It's uh, anyone in the with any level of education and the ability to observe can see that a dog uh, prefers animal-based products. So I like to think of them as, yes, they're omnivorous, but they have a definite carnivorous bias. So we favor foods that that we favor meat. We shamelessly favor meat. It doesn't make. I, I personally was a vegetarian uh, for health reasons for about 15 or 20 years. I'm not anymore. But during that period of time, I I, I knew that I couldn't put my own personal uh, preference, politically or health-wise, over and above what the animal's natural preference was. So that's the three things: is decide whether you want dry, wet, or raw, and then 
question content, which we try to do for you if you don't want to read the label, and then the, the third thing is to favor products that, that favor meat. I, I'd like just one second to that last thing, favor meat. I don't think that's as important as just unfavoring carbohydrates. There are only three... Mm. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Three, three macro ingredients, ma- ma- macronutrients, so is either protein, fat, or carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are the one thing that are not considered essential to a dog. Fats are essential, specific fats, and protein, which is made up of little amino acid blocks, those are essential to a dog. Carbs are not. And if you've read any of my articles on the site, particularly my article on corn, I make a very strong point that you know carbs weren't such a large part of a dog's uh, diet until the mid part of the last century, which just happened to coincide with the invention of the extrusion process to make kibble. Um, you need carbs to make kibble, and so carbs kibble is the furthest thing from a, a dog's natural diet. However, some manufacturers re- recognize that and have developed some kibbles that are very high in meat and low in carbs, and so we favor those. We we tend to favor them too in our community because there are a lot of dogs who are fighting cancer, and um, as you probably know, um, dogs with cancer should have as few carbs in their diet as, as possible since uh, carbohydrates feed cancer cells. Um, so a lot of a lot of our members um, choose to go with a high-protein diet for their dogs, but there are some dogs who, who can't handle that. And, and it, when that's the situation, what, what's somebody supposed to do if, if their dog has, say, I think it's when they have a liver problem that they can't do a lot of, a lot of carbs or um, high-protein, I'm sorry, um, what are our choices in, in that situation? Well, you really don't you, you don't have any choice if there's some medical reason that a dog cannot tolerate uh, protein, which um, has to be fairly rare. But I, I'm sure there are times when that's the case. Um, then you have to just accept foods that are either uh, higher in fats or higher in carbohydrates. You, you can't it, as one as one of those three things goes up. The other two things have to go down. Those three things are like little buttons that you push, and they make up the macronutrients of every single food that any of us eat, all of them. And so as you increase carbs, protein and fat goes down. As you increase protein, fat, and carbs go down. If you increase meat, meat happens to be mostly protein and fat almost exclusively, carbs automatically go down. You, you can't find something that's low in all three or high in all three. They automatically, mathematically compensate for one another as you adjust one, you adjust the others. Okay. Um, I, I want to back up for a second. Um, what are the benefits and drawbacks of canned versus kibble? Well, that's a, it's a, an interesting question because, um, again, if all things were equal, which they never are, I, I've, I've, what I've learned over the last few years just um, by writing these articles is that the closer to nature that we get to what we were designed to eat, whether we're humans or birds or dogs or cats, the better off we're going to be. And when someone says, well, what's best for cancer, again, with, with certain exceptions, and, and they would be only known to a veterinarian or a specialist, not to me, but with certain exceptions, whatever they are, it's always better to favor something that is more naturally what we were designed to eat. Um, 
uh, and so we just agreed, or hopefully we're starting to agree a little bit, that a dog is an omnivore with carnivorous bias, strong carnivorous bias. As a dentist, gosh, I don't want to don't want to take you down that road, but as a dentist, I can tell you just the way the teeth and the and the jaws are designed. That's a carnivorous animal. Um, they're molars. Don't look like our molars. Our molars have flat teeth. We're, our molars look like what a cow's molars look like, which is for herbivorous grinding, for grinding grains. Dogs don't even have that ability. Have you ever noticed a dog chew? They, they tip their head to the right and then the left to throw the food back and forth. They can't oh. turn their jaw to the right and left like you and I do. They're not designed. They're designed to chop, chop, chop. And if you look at their teeth, those are choppers. Um, ours are not. Ours are more, really more omnivorous than a dog's. So the word omnivorous um, really is not like a light bulb that's on or off. Carnivorous and herbivorous are like a light bulb. You're either an herbivore or uh, if you're an herbivore, you eat plants. If you're a carnivore, you eat meat. But dogs share that fact that we're omnivorous, except we're more herbivorous and they're more carnivorous. So to answer that question in a long roundabout way, um, kibble is the furthest thing from what a dog would naturally eat, what his ancestors would eat. And raw, fresh food is the best. If you know how to do it, that's always the best thing to feed um, a dog. I have not graduated to that point. I have obviously mixed fresh and raw with Bailey's food frequently. But we don't exclude uh, feed um, uh, raw food exclusively because we have the same concerns um, as others about raw food. Raw feeding is is a a little bit more challenging, but it's worth it if you're not lazy like I am. If you have the ability to do it and you know what you're doing, it's the closest thing to what a dog would naturally eat. Then the next closest thing is really a good quality canned food. If you can find one that doesn't have the um, um, uh, those liners in the cans, the uh, BPA, um, these various things that people are concerned about, uh, the, the bisphenol A that we hear a lot about now and things like that. There's some drawbacks to canned feeding or even in these plastic tubs. But again, canned food is generally better than kibble. So, so with what you just said in mind about you know your natural diet and eating raw, what can you tell us about commercially prepared raw food diets like the dehydrated mixes or patties like Honest Kitchen and Thelen Chewies? They're becoming popular for the ease of preparation. Do you have an opinion about these foods and do they compare with preparing food straight from your fridge? Well, no, I, I think the straight from the fridge is, again, raw. You know, Michael Pollan, who wrote uh, In Defense of Food, I don't know if you've ever read any of his works or seen any of the movies or do- documentaries about him, but he says when you go in the grocery store, and he's talking about humans, of course, to favor the things around the outside of the grocery store, you know, the, the, the produce department and the dairy and all that are around the outside, and all the stuff in the middle of the grocery store, the stuff with expiration dates of three to five years, he says shop the perimeters of the grocery store. I would say the same thing if you had the ability to do it, um, and the knowledge, uh, there's nothing better than fresh or raw. That's, that's, it's, it's almost silly to sit here and, and debate in favor of kibble against such an incredibly rich, wonderful, healthy diet. But it's just impractical. Most of us don't have the time. Uh, it does involve some knowledge. Um, I respect those people that take the time to feed raw, and it, there, there are some drawbacks to it. Um, but generally speaking, um, there are, 
there's I just I don't think there's anything uh, better f- for our dogs. Um, the raw foods, the commercially prepared raw foods, are really subject to the same uh, scrutiny as they once they're manufactured. Even if they're manufactured in very small batches, these are now processed foods. However, a processed raw food and or processed fresh food is going to be um, so much better um, than anything any kibble. Um, I, I cheat to be honest with you, and I I, I do what's called topping. We we do give uh, Bailey kibble. We give him a very high quality kibble, but we always top it with a really good canned food. And um, and when we can, like if we're cooking out, this business about feeding from the table, I don't know where that came from. Where it's supposed to be unhealthy. I think feeding scraps from the table and human rejects is unhealthy. Um, just cutting the fat off your steak and putting that in your dog's dishes an invitation to pancreas pancreatitis and other issues. Um, this just byproducts, the things we complain about. But if you make a hamburger on the grill and you throw one on for your dog, or don't even cook it, if you if you feel like I, I feel a bit more comfortable cooking it, I think that's still pretty close to raw. Um, I, 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 have, I will mix that with his food. If we make ourselves some chicken, we, we give him some chicken. Um, we mix it with the food. So that's something we call topping, and I like to do that. Um, the the uh, there are two kinds basically of raw foods. There's the dehydrated type, and I, I've been corrected many times. The people that really like dehydrated always remind me. Well, there's a difference between freeze dried and heat dehydrated foods, and I apologize. You, you know, you're right. The freeze dried are a little better, but they still we still classify them as a dehydrated food, and you don't have to once you dehydrate them um, in any way, either freeze drying or um, uh, dehydrating, they become safer. You're, they're not as uh, dangerous for you to handle that people worry about it. Those people that say you shouldn't worry about salmonella, um, it's not, not 100% uh, true. Uh, dogs have a tremendous resistance to bacteria because of the pH of their tummies, so they have a much lower acidic pH. kills a lot of bacteria and things that would normally bother us, but they're not immune to salmonella. And we are never immune to salmonella. There are no more dangers in handling raw, handling raw dog food than are handling raw chicken in your home. Um, those are some dangers of raw feeding that are always a concern. The dehydrated and freeze-dried problems diminish those dangers significantly. This is this is all such great information. Um, we feed Wyatt um, almost exactly the same way you do, uh, the way you feed Bailey, and um, he seems to be doing pretty well on it. I, I do have a little bit of guilt that I'm not um, cooking as much as I did when we first adopted him, but he seems to be doing really well on a, a dehydrated food along with some kibble and then supplemented with, like you said, you know, whatever's coming from our table, whatever we're eating, and, and we eat pretty healthy, so, you know, he might have some, some chicken or... Um, you know, whatever whatever we're cooking that night, uh, he'll usually get it in the the unprocessed form. But that's that's how we we believe dogs should eat too. I mean, they're real creatures; they should eat real food. <laughs> and real not food. everybody has the time. Yeah, I- exactly. You know, and, and uh, not everybody has the time to do a hundred percent home cooked or raw diet. But whatever you can do is definitely better than nothing at all. I I feel. That goes for for us too. Real food works for humans just as well as it works for pets. Um, you know, a Pop-Tart is, is not the same thing as a fresh, wholesome ingredients that you cook for um, a breakfast. These are processed foods. 
Um, kibbles are nothing more than, than baked goods. They're just, you know, <laughs> meat-flavored crackers and cookies. Again, I'm not down on kibbles. I rate some of them five stars, but what I've learned to do is rate them against their peers. I never would want to rate a um, a kibble against a um, raw food. It's not fair. Uh, there's another reviewer um, that intentionally rates raw uh, rates um, canned foods never above four stars. I, I can't figure that out. Uh, there's some f- just phenomenal uh, wet foods out there that are so much better um, than a, than a than a kibble. Um, I, tr- I try to keep an open mind. I also love rotation feeding. I don't know if this is a good time to mention that, but uh, another um, myth I've heard ever since I was very young and we fed our dog is my mother used to be fanatical about never change um, the dog's diet. It's a terrible thing to change the diet. Always feed the same thing. Gosh, I can't think of anything um, more boring uh, in a way, a, a form of um, mealtime cruelty in a way, and I don't say that to be disrespectful. I think it's done in fear of a dog uh, getting uh, a GI upset. Think about it for a minute, particularly in the case of kibble. Or, uh, if you took all the food you were going to eat this week and put it in a blender and mix it all up, salmon and chicken and turkey, asparagus, all the things you like, but grind them into one thing and then mix them at least 50% with some kind of a carbohydrate like sweet potatoes or um, uh, grains, flour, and then put them in the oven and bake them. Could you really taste the salmon in that food? I mean, could you really taste the broccoli? It, it must be horrible being a dog. Um, not in, 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 in every way, but certainly in eating. Um, we, the manufacturers even go out of their way to make them taste so delicious, chicken and barley dinner. Um, they have tremendous names. But the truth is that when we mix them all together, they begin to lose their individual flavors and nuances. And, again, when I was a kid, the dog was in the backyard. Today, you know, we bring the dogs into the home. We, we um, You know, they, I, 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 I don't feel as comfortable feeding those foods as I, as I used to. So um, another thing we fail to mention, it's okay. Fresh food includes vegetables, too. Um, it's okay. Um, I've, I've watched a video many times on YouTube that I want to post on my website of dogs eating strawberries, not wolves, just in packs, just finding a berry plant, a berry tree, and eating berries off the tree. Um, they do that in the wild. And a certain percentage of their diet can be fruits and vegetables. Um, so we throw them in the bowl. In the bowl. If we make some asparagus, um, I feel very safe feeding that um, as a, a raw food, and sometimes we cook it. It's still better than anything out of a can. With uh, ingredients and processing being so important and so many choices in the market, how can pet lovers discern between marketing hype and fact when it comes to what's really in the food? It's a real challenge. Um, I, I, I think that's a, a very interesting question, but I always answer those questions the same way. Question content first. Um, Again, if you remember to your, remind yourself that nothing, no food can be better, and, and even for your human food, than the ingredients were used to make it. There's, there's nothing. It's, it, there's no magic in it. So um, you start with the ingredients. Start with uh, a rating um, on our website, or just do it yourself and decide whether this is, looks like a good food. It seems to be high in protein, low in carbohydrates. And then look at the marketing hype, because the manufacturers do many times. Um, yes, they, they brag about the things that they're proud of, and that's not always hype. It's sometimes very truthful. We just find it very unprovable, so we try to avoid dealing with it on the website. 
Another obsession people uh, have is, is whether the food has ingredients that are coming from other countries. One of the best foods in our uh, from our ratings, one of the best foods, just looking at the label, um, is a canned product that is made in a canning factory in Thailand. Uh, it's an incredible product. It really is. Um, should we should we just automatically assume that a food that comes from America is um, superior? When I was a little boy uh, growing up in Virginia, we only got strawberries in the mid to late summer. It was a really big deal. We, my mom would cut them up and we could put them in. We made them in ice cream or we'd cut them up and put them in our breakfast cereal. Um, today, you know, we get strawberries any day we want. We just go in the grocery store and buy just huge amounts of them. They're huge, beautiful strawberries, and but they they come from sources that seem to change with the seasons. They come from southern hemisphere in the winter time. They come from Mexico. They come from Chile. Um, all of us, even in our human food system, the government does not require us when you're when you make a, a prepared product for the government does not require company to say where the ingredients come from only if the product is manufactured um, in a foreign country and that's not regulated by the FDA but by uh, borders by our border controls so if a product is manufactured in China it will say on the dog food uh, I don't as a matter of fact I'm, I'm not aware of many but I do know a few but it'll say on the can it has to by label made in China but if it's made here in Lincoln Nebraska with products that come from China ingredients doesn't have to say that on the label. So you know, I I really I could I could talk to you for hours about this, but I hate to tell you we we need to wrap it up. And uh, maybe we no should problem. continue this conversation in another episode. I I thank you so much, Mike. This has been really informative. Yeah, thank you very much. My pleasure. I do want to remind our listeners to check out the Tripod's nutrition blog for lots of canine cancer diet recommendations and healthy food for all three-legged dogs at nutrition.tripods.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time on Tripod Talk Radio, learn more about canine amputation recovery and find the best gear for three-legged dogs at tripods.com. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts and claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast.